0: bigger than all of this, and there has to be some point where we, we know it to the point where we trust, we truly trust God to be in charge of these kind of things. So, so let's pray. God, we just commit right now, we commit this morning to you, and uh, Lord, we've already prayed for a local church, but I, I pray for the church across the nation, Lord, that, um, that uh, this, is, this is causing some churches to, to, to process a little differently and plan, and, and uh, God, I think, I think that's a good thing. Lord, push us forward in in how we can communicate with people. But God, we also know that we have to be together. We have to connect together, that the church has to connect relationally uh, together. And so, Lord, we ask you to help us to stay focused on that. And so in living rooms and in small gatherings all over the country, we ask your Holy Spirit just to move, just to to get in people's hearts and minds and uh, do some big stuff. God, bless each household, bless each group of people, each family, each person sitting alone in, in their house right now. God, bless them with your presence and your power. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I want to encourage you with a few things. One is, um, <clears throat> as we're doing this this morning, try to... try to. Um, it, it, may, it may be a little weird, it may be a little awkward, specifically if you're either alone or you're just sitting there with the kids, but, but, um, but, but worship, pray, get involved in these kind of things. We don't know how many weeks we're going to have to do this. But, but don't let it be awkward there. Specifically, if you're a parent and there's kids there, um, worship. Show the, show the children you worship at home probably more comfortably than you can worship in a, in a church setting. So, so think about those kind of things. Now, we do believe in uh, safety first, so keep at least six feet of distance between you and every individual in the household. Um, only wave at the dog. Don't uh, touch the dog, but you are allowed to hug and cough on cats. So, so, be safe uh, through the whole thing. And, and just a couple of things. We're not going to be doing announcements. We're not going to be doing that kind of stuff. You can go to the website for that, and it'll keep you up to date. A lot of the stuff, it's specifically in the near future, basically it's we're canceling, we're postponing, these kind of things. Our men's retreat, we've had to cancel that, and we don't know for sure we're going to be able to do that. Now, we still are planning ahead for Easter, and we're, we're assuming and hoping and praying that we'll be able to do all the Easter stuff. Um, but we do have a plan for our Easter uh, celebration our Easter Egg event. Uh, we have a plan for if we can congregate and we have a plan if we cannot congregate. And so we still need you to bring candy and eggs and uh, I mean not eggs, candy. We need you to bring candy. we don't bring eggs. Um, but put on your hazmat suit, come on up here to the church and uh, drop some candy off this next couple of weeks because we still do have a plan of how to do it if we can't congregate. some different things like that. so and, and here 's a big one also we've been sending out emails all week with links to this service. And uh, how to do this on Facebook? How to do this on YouTube? Obviously, if you're online, you figured that out somehow. But think about a couple of things for me. We need to get emails of everybody. That's how we're communicating mostly for this. And so try to get us, try to get us. If we don't have your email, that you're going to miss out on, on some very important information. Uh, we'll have it posted on the website, but but the very specific details are going to be easier through the emails that we send out. So make sure we have at least one email for your household. But also, if you know of some people that, think around the church, think about the people that sit near you in the services normally, and think to yourself, do they, does the church have their email? And uh, maybe give them a call, ask them, are you getting the email? Did you get the email this week with the video of, of a pastor and the links and stuff like that? If, if not, we need your email, because that's how we're going to send some of this information out. But again, you can go to the website, <clears throat> you can check on stuff, and we'll make sure, that's, this, is a, this is new territory for all of us. But uh, we'll be updating the website every time we get a new little piece of information. Okay, so be patient. We, we've already had some glitches this last week, but, um, but we'll figure all that stuff out. <clears throat> also, if you would, would want to do this, uh, email us feedback this week of, of what you think. Obviously, we're in a little different setting in the sanctuary on the platform how we're doing this. E- email us um, feedback, good, bad. What, you know, did it sound good? Did it not sound good? <clears throat> we're finding that the different people's internet provider is actually determining some of that, their speed and some stuff like that. But send us feedback. How did how did it how did it look? How did it feel? Did you? Is there ways we could do this better? Um, we I don't know what the feedback will be, so we don't know how to do some of this stuff yet. But uh, we're going to try to figure this out. And then, if you would also like to, in that same email, <clears throat> um, let us know. How many of you were, did you invite somebody over to the house? Did you not? Um, were you, were was it just you and the kids, that kind of thing? Did you eat breakfast along with? I mean, just tell us kind of a little bit what's going on. That's just, that's just for me. That's just my feedback. I want to know. I mean, some of you are sitting in your pajamas right now and, and, and Aiden and I are not. And so uh, just let us know. Give us feedback, all right? So <clears throat> I I want to jump into this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to Address some fear issues. I'm going to address some bigger type of stuff here. And I've really been processing this. I've been saying this over the last couple of weeks. I do believe that the that this has been blown way out of proportion. I, I do not believe that this is as dangerous as what the uh, government says it is. <clears throat> but I do believe that they are trying to err on the side of caution. Some people, uh, we we saw if you were paying attention this week, there have been pe- some people that are using this specifically. To financially gain and to manipulate uh, America, we saw where a handful of senators uh, and Congress uh, persons uh, did move stocks around and stuff before the American people knew what was happening each time, and they made lots of money on this. Um, we still know that in our country, that's illegal, that's insider trading, and that's wrong. Um, hopefully, these people will be held account accountable to this. Um, so we do know that some people are using this to manipulate. Some people are doing that. But I would say that's a small group of people in very specific places, and, and specifically in Washington and the media. Now, w- with that being said, I-, I don't believe that the average person in America is, um, is trying to manipulate or doing. anything. I-, I think there really is a-, a fear. I do believe at some level it's slightly founded. Um, but, but look at it from this perspective. If, if, you're, if you're putting your hope and your trust in the government or in some people or something, then there, there should be great cause for fear here. Uh, because literally think about this. If you're putting your hope and your trust in the government, the best that they can offer us right now is wash your hands and stay six feet away from everybody else. That that is that is literally their their profound direction as a government. So if your hope is not in God and you don't believe in God or you don't trust in God, or, or maybe you know he's there and you believe him, but you haven't really put your life in his hands and trust him, then you should have some fear. There should be some, some tension. There should be some uncertainty because the only other possibilities you can have is something like money or, or people or government, those kind of things. And as, as easily seen across the world, not just our country, but across the world right now, you, there's no hope in that stuff. There's no hope in the government. Um, the government's answer is, well, nobody go to restaurants. But but here's the crazy thing: restaurants can bring you the food, but don't go to restaurants. Don't congregate more than six feet from people. But I was at Home Depot yesterday, and there were people all over the place in Home Depot, and and one guy came walking by with like a face mask and a and a and a, and a gloves on his hand and stuff like that, and I thought. You're the only guy. Everybody else, if we're sick, we're all sick together. This idea that the government has really fixed this or answered this makes no sense to me. We're not actually being saved by our government. The, but if that's where your hope is, then, yeah, you should be scared. You, you should definitely be scared. So, so here's the other side of this is I, I, I really strongly believe, and this is not just cliche, I really strongly believe that if you are a Christian, these types of things, should, you should not have the same level of fear or anxiety, if at all. I, I, don't, I don't think that as a Christian you should have fear at all in these kind of things. You, if your trust is in God, if he is the provider, if he is your security, if he is your hope, if he is your help, if he is your health, then you should not be afraid during these kind of times. It doesn't mean that some people won't get sick or, or, or whatever, it's just that our trust is in God and not in these other things. And this should be a little bit of a litmus test for you. Is there, is there elements of fear? Is there elements of, of uh, um, tension that, that come along when you're around somebody or whatever? At some point, there has to be, okay, God, but I still trust you. Now, be safe. you know. Do, do what the government says. Quarantine yourself, however. I'm not, I'm not making fun of that stuff. I don't think it's as effective as they're saying, but, but safety is a good idea. Specifically, if you're older and you have respiratory issues, sure. You need to, to be safe. But at the end of the day, we are trusting God. At the end of the day, God is the one that's in charge. So I've got, I've got a couple of things that I want us to just look at here and process through. Maybe, some of this is probably a reminder, but I think it might be healthy for us to have some of this as a reminder. The first thing is that God is God. There there is nothing else that is God. There is nothing else that is eternal. There is nothing else that is transcendent. There is nothing else that's all-powerful and all-knowing. COVID-19 did not catch God off guard. He didn't didn't wonder um, how how this happened or where it came from. He knows the exact moment that what we call COVID-19 started. The very first person that was infected. God knows every single bit of this. Now, here's one of the interesting things that I see is when people ask questions like, well, if God is God, <clears throat> how could he let this happen or, or any kind of things like this? How could, could God let this happen? Well, let me throw another question back in, in the face of that type of question. <clears throat> if, how do you know what God has already done through all of this? How do you know how many people God has already rescued, already healed, already kept safe, already protected? How do we know? We're, we're, we're going from the assumption when we say things like, how could God allow this to happen? We're going from the assumption that somehow um, that God is powerless and this thing is just going crazy. I, I don't think that's true. I don't look at that like that. I, I don't even look like in, in horrible tragedies, world calamities and things like that. I, I see where God's hand is involved where God is doing things, where there's there's been many people that have that have got this that fall into the categories that should not have made it, and they have made it. We we were looking at this uh, this week. Our Assemblies of God uh, uh, World Missions Director uh, had come down with this, and then they they weren't sure if it was this, but then they realized it was it was COVID, and then come to find out he took. Uh, malaria medicine and he gets better. So they're saying, well, maybe it was malaria. But we're seeing different cases around the world where people are taking medicines for the Ebola virus and they get better. They're taking m- medicine that was for the, um, for the bird flu and they're getting better. And doctors and scientists don't know for sure why this is happening. It doesn't make sense because those shouldn't be able to affect this. I, I just think there's a lot more going on on a spiritual level and things that God does that we have no idea, we have no idea He's even doing, and, and that He takes care of you and I specifically, and, he do, and we do not even know that He's doing it. And so before we immediately point to God and say, well, God, couldn't you do better? Couldn't you do something? I think first we start off by saying, and this should be the stance of a Christian, you start off by saying, God, I trust you, I believe in you, I thank you, and I worship you. And then you start the, the next step after that. You start first with God. You are God. In Job chapter 38, this is the end of all of the trials and tribulations and everything that Job has gone through. And, and it, would be, it would be easily um, uh, stated that Job has dealt with more stuff than most people will ever deal with ever. And at the end of all of this and through losing all of his family, losing everything, physically getting to the point where he had no, he he had no physical health. Everything was, was falling apart. Then, you know, like the last little moment, then his, his wife says, I'm done with you. I mean, all of this kind of stuff at the end of this story and his friends picking on him, everything, God says these things, God doesn't start off at the beginning of the story saying this. He gets to the end after Job has gone through all this stuff where Job is questioning God and saying, God why or couldn't you have done this or whatever the case. and then god says then god says this the lord answered job from the whirlwind and he said who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words that is a that is a powerful statement when we're looking at god why why couldn't you? Why did you let? Why do you do this? These kind of things. God's answer, and I, and I, and I don't think God's being sarcastic here. I do. There are times when God is sarcastic. We see that through Scripture. I don't think this is God being sarcastic. I think there's a little bit of irritation and, and some pushback on Job, but I also believe that God is doing this in such a way and making sure that we read this because I think there should be pushback from God to all of us at different times in our life when we when we begin to point at God and say, God, why? God, why? Specifically in I I don't know if you can do this, God, or you're big enough, or you can handle this. God says, who are you to ask that kind of question? Who are you? And he, and he says that these are ignorant words that Job is saying. Guys, I know this is a strong statement, but I, I do believe this is what God is saying here. When we begin to question the, the, the grandness, the bigness, the the amazingness of God, Um, there there is there is a there is a pushback from God that says, who are you? Who are you? And what is this ignorance that you're saying? God is holy. God is transcendent. God is the the all consuming one. God is the everything. And, And we're saying to God, God, I I don't think you can handle this, or why aren't you doing this? What we're really saying is, God, why aren't you doing this my way? Why aren't you doing this the way I think it should happen? And God pushes back, and then he says, brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. We can see God is not playing around here. God is not playing around. Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you. You must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? This is, we have to, somewhere this has to get in our spirit when we're, when we're, when we're looking at and we're talking about things like this, what we're calling a pandemic across the world. Now I do, again, I know I'm, I probably will say this a few times, I, I, I do believe that this has been blown way out of proportion, and I do think there is some manipulation involved, and, 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 I, and I think what we're looking at here, if we look at this sentence, God says, where were you when I started everything, when I laid the foundations of the earth? We as human beings, the part of the reason that we, that we get so upset and we get so out of sorts over something like this is because we, we, it, it brings us face to face with our, our um, lack of power. It brings us face-to-face with our limitedness and our mortality. And rather than, this should be the, this should be the answer that we have. When we, when we come face-to-face with our limitedness and how small we are in comparison to the globe or, or the universe or God's creation, and something like a sickness can literally spread across the world and tear apart and tear down countries and governments and everybody is. We, we got an email. Uh, Paul sent me this email uh, last week, or the week before, f- from some of our uh, missionaries in Wuhan, where this started in Wuhan, China, and and they have they, at the time we got the email a couple weeks ago, they had already been quarantined in their apartment for seven weeks. When we come face to face with those kind of moments, where we realize we are not God, we act like God. We act like we can fix the planet by by not starting our cars or 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 you know, making sure there's no CO2. I mean, all these silly things that we do as a people because we think we're big and we think we're God and we think we're in charge of the planet and we think we're in charge of people and governments and our bodies and, and science is the answer for everything and medical science is, is the answer for everything. And then, and then one little thing can bring all that crashing down. One little virus can bring all that crashing down. When we come face to face with our mortality at that moment, our response should be, God, forgive us, because we're not God. We've been acting like it, but we're not God. You're God. You're in charge. You're the king, and we submit to you. That should be the answer. But since we still struggle with the mentality, and I'm saying society as a whole, we struggle with the mentality that there is a sovereign God, and he's in charge, and we're not, because we struggle with that, and we rebel against that, we we come up with all this other stuff we come up with all these other answers and all these other things instead of saying okay god you're the one that's in charge that should be where and this is why god is saying where were you where were you when i laid the foundations of the earth tell me if you know so much verse 5 who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line he's talking about the planet he's talking about earth itself Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? It's only been in the last um, couple hundred years that we've even figured out and begun to understand how to figure out how big the earth is. For thousands of years, we had no idea. For, For thousands of years, we thought the earth was flat. We thought the earth stood still and the sun rotated around there. I mean, all these silly things, although the Bible actually talks about all this stuff, but... We had so many wrong ideas and so many misconceptions, and we've just now got to the point where we can even measure the earth. And, by the way, there's still a lot of people that believe the earth is flat and we never went to the moon. How, how, how do you think they would be reading something like this? He says, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations? In other words, how, how, does, it, how does it stay where it is? How is it there? There are scriptures that talk about the uh, foundation, the pillars that the earth is on and those kind of things. And for for a long time, people thought that that, that God was saying that the earth sat on columns. That's not what God is saying. God is saying that he puts the foundation. He doesn't mean that there's real pillars. That means he's the one who put it here and he's the one who holds it together. He's the one who has the the ability. Like he says, he he puts the stars in the sky and holds them there by his hand. He's the one that does this. Look at this again. What supports its foundations? Who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Have you explored? I'm going to jump down to verse 16. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Now, Geologists have explored a lot more nowadays than ever before, but we still don't know the origin of everything we don't still understand everything we're, we're it's only in the last 20 to thirty years that we've realized that that oil we still call it a fossil fuel, but oil is not a limited fossil fuel we've thought we've we've thought it was for so long that that's the way we still Verbalize it. There are people that still call oil a fossil fuel. It didn't come from fossils, and it and it's and it's not limited. Oil is being generated within the the inner uh, uh, the the middle of our planet in mag in in uh, lava and magma and stuff like that. It is being generated. Now here's the crazy thing: we've been calling it fossil fuel for so long. We can't we can't leave that thought process. But it's not a limited resource. It it is it's. Being it's renewable. We're just not renewing it, though. And that's the part where we get frustrated because if we're not in charge and we're not in control and our science gets proved wrong somehow, although Scripture is always proved right, then then we get frustrated. Instead of turning to God and saying, God, I wasn't there when you made the earth. I wasn't there when you created the the plants and the animals. I wasn't there when you created the stars. I wasn't there. And God, it is arrogance for me to assume that I I have some kind of control over this whole thing. I don't. God is in control of this. God is the king. God is in charge. He says, do you know where the, the gates of death are located? That's a good question. Do you know? Where are the gates of death? Because we do know that when Jesus died on the cross, he went and got the keys. He went and got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. So here's the question. Where did he go? You don't know, but Jesus does because he went there. But we think we know all of this stuff. We think that we are so much in charge. He says, do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. I love the fact that he throws that little... Now, this is where he is getting a little sarcastic. If you know, tell me. And I don't know. I mean, God is talking to Job about this, but did he wait for a little while? Job, tell me. Do you know? Tell me. Did he just look at Job and wait? Until Job obviously consented that he does not know. I don't know these things, God. See, this is where I think the, the, that wisdom can begin to birth in our spirit and true knowledge and truth can, be, can begin to birth in our spirit is when we can stand before God and say, God, I don't know. I am not in charge. Now you be God. And when we can get to that place... I believe that's when God can depart his wisdom to us. But when we are holding on through pride and arrogance, human arrogance, humanism, all this other stuff, when we are holding on to all of this and we think we're in charge and we think we know everything, that puts a wall between us and God where God cannot give us truth, where God cannot give us wisdom because we we have built this, I know, I don't need you, God, wall. But when we get to the point and we can answer the question, Right here in verse eighteen, where he says, "Tell me about it if you know if our answer can be God, we don't know. if we can get to that point, then God says Now, now you can get some truth that's where that's where truth begins. Verse nineteen, Where does light come from? That's a great question, and here the other part of the, the other half of the question is even better in my opinion. Where does light come from? I don't know, and then he says, But where does darkness go when you turn on a light where does darkness go i love the way that he says that because the way we would explain it now is there is darkness and when light comes in light is what shines and the darkness is no longer there because there's light okay so god is saying well where did it go i love that because what is the answer i don't know i don't know where it went can you take each to its home? Can you take light to its home? Can you take darkness to its home? Can you take it to where it... first? See, see, this is the cool thing, and I've talked about this when it comes to creation and stuff. I love the fact that it says that God created light two days before He created the sun. Because we see the sun as the source for our light, but in eternity... There is no sun, and Jesus is the light. He is the source. That's the key to this, is that Jesus is the source to light. There there has to come some point in in our Christian walk, in our relationship with God, where we submit to these things, individually submit to these things. God, you are the source. You're the king. You're in charge. I'm not in charge. You are in charge. Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all of this. Again, this is where God is being sarcastic. But of course you know all of this. For you were born before it was all created and you are so very experienced. I've had people tell me before that I shouldn't use sarcasm uh, in my messages or when I'm talking or whatever because that's an ungodly trait. Really? Let Let me read this again. But of course, you know all of this, for you were born before it was all created, and you are so very experienced, Job. God's using sarcasm very strongly here, specifically to get a point across. The sarcasm in in these sentences here bites at us. The sarcasm pokes at us, digs in, and says, you've got to address this. It is, arrogance that, that, it is arrogance that gets offended by these kind of statements. It's arrogance that says, no, I'm in charge. I'm bigger. I'm the one. I'm the everything that gets attacked by this kind of sarcasm. Sarcasm is one of the easiest ways that God uses, and I think I, I use too, sarcasm to pick away at religiosity. It, it digs against religiosity. And that's what God is doing here. Let's go to chapter 40, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Job, and I would strongly suggest um, when we're done here or sometime this evening or something, get out the book of Job and read 38, 39, and 40. Read those. Or just read from 38, just specifically those three chapters, okay? Okay. So much I'm leaving out here. I'm jumping over some stuff. So much I'm leaving out. But every bit of it shouts out, God, you are God. And I'm not. You are God. Then the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? And again, sarcastically he says, You are God's critic. But do you have the answers? This is one of the things that I've used when I ran across this years ago. I realize this is one of the greatest ways to discuss with somebody when they say, well, if God's God, He's in charge of everything, why does He let this stuff happen? And I ask people, well, if you were God, how would you do it differently? What would be, what would be your answer to all of this? Well, I would just heal everybody, would you? Is that the way it works? You're just going to heal everybody? Because that's good people, bad people? People that are, have been good to you, bad to you? Does that include um, the, the, the pedophiles? Does that include the murderers? You're just going to heal everybody? Well, maybe not. Okay, so once you, start, once you start changing or vacillating at any level, you already are worse off than what God is already doing. God is in charge. So the second half of this is that God is bigger than the circumstances. And this is... This is um, this, I think this is important in these three things. I said half, but there's, in these three things, this, I think this is, um, this is vital for us, is to know, and not just in, in COVID-19. As COVID-19, we are going to move on from this in a few weeks, and in a few months, this is going to be not remembered again. It's going to be, oh, you remember when COVID-19 happened? I, I, you talk to younger people, and this is struggle. This is a struggle. In fact, I had this conversation with my oldest son. He's a children's pastor in South Texas, and his church is doing some similar things like this this morning. We were talking, and I said, Jonathan, one of the things is that the younger generation, I'm saying about 35 and under, they put so much trust in the government that this kind of thing, comes crashing down for everybody and everybody's getting excited now because our government is gonna send everybody a thousand dollars and somehow guys that is socialism and you can only do that for a little period of time and only if you have money to start with and eventually that runs out and then now you're just serving the government and the idea that somehow this is a fix is not a fix and everybody's saying but but at least we get our thousand dollars that is so temporary and it's so limited you're, you're letting circumstances dictate your future. Relationship wise, government wise, everything. You're letting temporary circumstances dictate your future. That is not how we're supposed to think if we serve God. God is in charge of our circumstances. God is in charge. We are not in charge of our circumstances, and the government is not in charge of our circumstances. And by the way, a sickness is not in charge of your circumstances. God is. God is bigger. 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, this, is, this truly is one of my favorite little parts of Scripture that I wish... I know I say that a lot, but this one really is. Um, where I wish I could jump into Scripture, jump into this time frame, and uh, be there when this happened. This is one of those moments. Um, and, I'm, and off the top of my head, I'm thinking about 40 or 50 more of those very special moments where I wish I could be there. But, but what's happening here is, <clears throat> is um, uh, Elisha... So God is showing Elisha a bunch of stuff that the uh, king is going to send his troops to a particular place and attack there or or find Elisha or do something. And God tells Elisha, okay, the king is going to send all his troops. So, So then Elisha tells everybody or hides or does something else. It depends on the circumstance. It's explained in the scriptures above this. But every time the king wants to do something, God tells Elisha what it is, and then Elisha thwarts the king's Plans. Okay, so now the king is very irritated about all this, and he's doing everything he can to figure out where Elisha is. And so somebody says, Well, we have seen him in this area. Okay, this is where we jump in. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 13. So the king commanded, Go and find out where he is, so I can send troops to seize him. Now, now think about the idiocy of that statement. God is telling Elisha. Everything you're doing, everything, every time you mobilize troops, everything, God is telling Elisha everything you're doing. And your answer is from a very ignorant mind. I I think it's an arrogant mind, really. Your answer to that is, well, we'll just go kill Elisha. If God is big enough to tell Elisha everything you're doing, do you think God is going to let you capture him and kill him? But but in the king's limitedness and in his arrogance, he thinks he can be bigger than God, even though God is already proving, I I know everything you're doing, king, and I'm telling him. And the king knows it. But he says, we're going to send troops and we're going to seize Elisha. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. I would like to put a big parenthetical statement in here that says, this is a dumb idea. You, you, God is showing you firsthand. I think it's a dumb idea under any circumstances. But when God is specifically showing you personally that you're not in charge, and you still do something like this, that's just ignorance. So he says that they took the army and surrounded the city. Verse 15, when the servant of the man of God, when Elisha's servant... Got up early the next morning. He went outside. Going to go outside, get some water, go to the bathroom, do something, right? He wanders out, hair messed up. He's still in his pajamas. And he walks outside. There were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Now, that'll surprise you. Now, this is important to note, okay? We, we need to make sure we understand the elements of the story in, in completeness, this is a very real threat to Elisha and his servant. This is a very real army. There's real horses, there's real chariots. The, the reason I say that is because th- this this uh, COVID-19 is a real virus. There's really people dying from this, okay? We understand that. There there is a true sickness. We've experienced this in America before. And in fact, this is part of my argument, this is part of my irritation with everything is we've experienced this in America many times before, in much, much greater gravity than COVID-19. The bird flu, um, H1N1, we've, done, we've seen a lot of this stuff over the years. I remember, this is if you're younger, this may not get you, but I remember when AIDS first came on the scene, there were people that were doing news stories and, and writing in newspapers and telling students in school. We had videos in school that we watched about AIDS, and they were saying within 10 years, the entire planet will be overrun and consumed with AIDS. This is the worst pandemic ever, and we are all doomed. I am not exaggerating that or making that up. And if you're, if you're around my age, you remember that stuff. But, but now this is just, <clears throat> I hate to say it this way, this is just the newest one, and it ain't even as big as all the others. It is very small in comparison. Now with that said, it still is a virus. It still is real. There are people that have died from this. We do understand that. And this is similar to what Elisha dealt with. There were really soldiers there. There were really horses and chariots and, and the king's army was really there. but here's the key is if you serve God, the circumstances are not in charge. their circumstances, they're real, they're there, but they're not in charge. There is not truly um, an, an overall threat to God or if we belong to Him, an overall threat to us as his people. there's going to be a limited threat. There's going to be limited things along the way. But at the end of the day, if our God is really God and we know that he is, and here's the key, and we are submitted and surrendered to him, that's the key. You can't just be kind of involved. You can't just kind of go to church every now and then, kind of serve him, kind of pray every now and then, do a little bit of things here, there, but really live your life like you want. You have to be submitted to God. And that's where the church in America, we derailed. We've got to be surrendered and submitted. Then he's our God. He's in charge. So the servant walks out, soldiers everywhere. It had a tendency to get his attention. So he goes running back inside, right? Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. And Elisha just sitting there drinking his coffee, eating his bacon. I don't know if that's true because, you know, they were Jews. But but he's drinking his coffee and eating his bagel. I don't know what he was doing. So, But he's very calm about this. He's, he's not upset about this. And his servant comes in. There's soldiers everywhere. Look at what he says. When the servant of the man of God got up early and he sees all these, Elisha's answer when he comes running back in, verse 16, don't be afraid, Elisha's told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Now, here's where it gets a little interesting. I would like a little more insight. I mean, it's not necessary, but just my inquisitive mind, I want to know some things. Did Elisha see all of God's armies? See, I, I've, I've, I've read this in books and I've heard this in both ways. That Elisha could see it, and when he opened his servant's eyes, then his servant's said. And then some people say, no, Elisha couldn't see it. I lean toward the mentality Elisha couldn't see it. But Elisha knew his God. And that's the key. Elisha knew his God. Because I've been in the circumstance, not not exactly like this, but I've been in circumstances where I needed God to show me something. I needed God to give me some truth or some breakthrough or something. I needed God. And I have prayed literally the way that, that Elisha says this. I have prayed, God, let me see you. Let me see what's really going on. But see, here's where I think faith comes in. Faith doesn't have to see. We know. God, you're in charge. God, we know. You're the king. I wish we had the ability to see across our nation, just maybe our house, our our workplace, if we could just see the protection God has already and is providing. If we could see where God, where God is, is holding back the, the onslaught that Satan is trying to, to do here and attack people with a virus. I, I read this week online, many places in fact, it, it began to get to the point where it irritated me so bad I stopped looking at places. I stopped going on Facebook this week because so many people were saying, well, God has sent this virus to show how big he is. Come on. <clears throat> where, where, where do we get this stuff from? This, God is the one who sends the troops, not the virus. He sends the protection. This is who he is. He said, don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. You know when he said this, the servant was like, I think you've lost it, Elisha. What are you talking about? Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. Are you guys good back there? Open his eyes and let him see. Now that's a great statement because again, I personally don't believe Elisha could already see uh, everything. I believe he just knew, but he said, and here's a good question is when his servant's eyes are open, did Elisha see even then? <clears throat> there's a chance that he didn't even see all this stuff then. Only his servant saw. So he says, the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. It doesn't say Elisha saw it. It just says the servant saw it. I don't necessarily think. Now, I think it would have been cool if Elisha did, because then he'd be like, yeah, wow, that's bigger than I thought. So, but, but we do know that Elisha knew in his spirit, God's in charge. And it doesn't matter how many soldiers, there's more on God's side and on Satan's side. And, and, and it doesn't matter how many germs, millions upon billions of germs, <clears throat> billions and billions of germs that are infecting people around the world, but there's still more on God's side. And that's where we got to stay. Is there's still more on God's side. When you get bad news, there's still more on God's side. When you're dealing with difficult stuff, there's still more on God's side. The third thing with this is God is to be worshiped. <clears throat> and this is again, this has to be the 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 this has to be the ending point. This has to be where we get to. If we if we know that God is God and we know that God is the God of circumstances, then this should be the natural next step. Well, then let's worship Him. Let's give Him glory. Let's surrender to Him. Let's submit to Him. But oftentimes as Christians, and by the way, I've been here many times, I've done this, where we get frustrated and upset at God because He's not doing what we think He should do. <clears throat> and so then we get, um, we, we get agitated or we push back at God or we say things that we shouldn't about God or whatever the case is. Now again, I'm, I'm definitely of the school that says, that if you, if you are frustrated with God, tell him. Don't try to hide it because he already knows. The idea that we just pretend like it doesn't exist, that's not what I'm talking about. That, that's, that's lying to your own self. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is recognize that you're irritated, recognize you're agitated, and, and submit yourself then. Recognize that you're frustrated. That's when you submit to God and say, God, I don't understand everything. It doesn't look right to me. It doesn't look fair to me. But God, I submit to you. That is a choice. That is a proactive decision that we make. Rather than letting ourselves get mad at God, we we submit to Him and we surrender and we begin to worship Him. And we worship Him in the middle of our frustration. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit can come in and push our frustration away and show us truth. He can give us wisdom. He can show us what really is happening, at least at some level. We may not have our eyes open and see all of the forces of God... But we can have our spiritual eyes open and understand that he still is in charge. So we begin to worship Judges chapter 6, verse 1. <clears throat> the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Now, each, I, I had many examples. I just narrowed it down to these uh, couple examples here of people throughout Scripture that were f- afraid. And had a legitimate reason to be so. Except God. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land, destroying crops as far as away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. This is a real issue. People are starving to death. This is a real issue. People are dying. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. And there's the key. Everything was desolate. Everything was bad. They were being attacked, hurt, killed. Um, uh, Their crops taken, everything, starving to death, everything. And then it says, so they cried out to the Lord. Now here's the key. If they would have done this much earlier, they wouldn't have had to go through this. Because in Judges 6.1 it says, The Israelites did evil, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites. After all of this stuff, months, potentially years of this, then because it says their crops, that means crop cycles, multiple. After this, then they cried out to the Lord for help. Now I have been praying, and I really do believe this is a great moment in, in spiritual uh, relationship with God that as a country we can call out to God. And I believe, well, I do know because I've seen this at different places. I've talked to people. There are people that are saying, God, forgive me. I want to serve you. I, I submit to you because they're recognizing that they're not in charge. It, it, that's a good place to get to. That is a good place to get to as a country. This sounds this sounds horrible to say it this way, regardless of what, takes, what it takes to get us there, it's a good place to get as a country. If we, just, if we just repent, just submit to God. Submit to God. I think it is great that an entire generation is, that has been putting their trust in the government, and socialism really is becoming a, a thing in their minds that's a legitimate direction, which is so stupid. It is not a legitimate direction. But an entire generation is now seeing their government in just a space of a week, one week, has seen their government dismantled, powerless, and the best they can come up with is wash your hands. I think this is good because then we realize we need to turn to something bigger than our government. God is bigger than our government. When they cried out, when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites and he said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery. That was many, many years before this moment. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians, from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and I gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the God of the Amorites and whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. Guys, that can be said about the United States right now. God brought us to this place he he he's he's the one who established America we went from nothing to the to the greatest most powerful country in the world in less than 300 years there are civilizations that have been on their ground on their land for thousands of years God did this and we have turned against God we have pushed God away now I don't think don't misunderstand I'm not I'm not saying although I I I wouldn't take it off the table but I don't think that this, that this virus is something God is, is doing to get our attention. But even if he is, okay, as long as we let him get our attention, as long as we submit to God, then, then to me, it doesn't matter where it came from. But I don't, I don't believe that God started the sickness. I believe that God is saying, look, I'm here. If if you'll turn to me, I'll rescue you. How many times in Scripture does he say something similar to 2 Chronicles 7.14? This is many places throughout the Old Testament. If my people will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. That is said probably 50 different ways in in the Old Testament. Almost identical to that. If my people, when they cried out, he said these things. I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the God of the Amorites, in whose land you now live, but you've not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Orpah, which belonged to Joash in the clan of Ebeazar. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing the wheat at the bottom of the winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And we see the great story of Gideon begin to unfold. Because why? They submitted to God and cried out to him. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. God is the one that's in charge. People can only do so much. Anytime I think of this scripture, I always think of the statement, um, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that was something that was said all the time when I was a kid. Nowadays, we're not allowed to say that. Uh, we say things like, um, words are more powerful than anything. And I, I agree, words are more powerful. But I, I don't, here's my thing. Say anything you want to me, but don't hit me with a stick. Seriously. Say whatever you want to me, but don't throw rocks at me. Because why? I, I guess I grew up in that mentality so much Sticks and stones really do hurt a lot more most of the time than words do because I have chosen to not let words affect me. We're raising kids nowadays where words are the most powerful thing. I I, I, I always use this example. When my kids were growing up and in school, they would call them brokenhearted. So-and-so called me a poopy head. Well, are you a poopy head? No. Then who cares? Who cares? cares. Now I understand you tell that to a seven-year-old kid, it's difficult because poopy head is like the worst. But at some point, I, I think we've done a disservice to our kids growing up in this generation by telling them that all of these words do matter and they can hurt you and they can destroy you and they can define you and all this other stuff. Nobody can define me except God. Nobody can. You can say whatever you want. God is the definer. I look to Him. He is my source. I don't care what the media says about me. I don't care if a politician calls me a deplorable. I don't care about any of that stuff. I know who I am. And I know who God has created me to be. That's where we got to get to. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. When I laid hands on you, this, this, this is, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the, the, the gift that we have that we can pray in the spirit. Every Christian should be praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. That is how you're empowered. That's how you're strengthened. First Corinthians 14 says that is how you are personally strengthened during times like this. Pray in the spirit. The Holy Spirit knows more about what to pray for than you do. The Holy Spirit can dig into the spiritual realm and guide your prayers way better than you can. The Holy Spirit can pray for people around the planet. You don't even know what you're praying for. That's exactly the way 1 Corinthians 14 says it. You don't know what you're praying for. Uh, Chapter 12 says the same thing. You don't know what you're praying for. But the Holy Spirit is praying through you to God, and He knows. He says, fan into flames the spiritual gift. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's how we should be thinking and operating as Christians. And I know it's a struggle sometimes. I get it. When everything's crashing in. But we have power, love, self-discipline. Not a, not, not a fear, fear and timidity. We need to think this way, act this way. So I want to pray for us. and I want to pray two things. One, I want to pray for this uh, bigger picture of just this fear and this threat in a general sense, right? <clears> this <throat> everything that's going on. Um, it, is, it, is so, it is so crazy, uh, all of the stuff that is happening. I have to have a very important meeting with my, with my parents today in, in the um, apartment, uh, the uh, living center, the, the adult living center that they live in. And I have a conference call with, my, with their doctor. And Linda cannot go in there with me. I've got to go in with a gown on, gloves, and a face mask. And I can stay a certain amount of time, and then I have to leave. I can't, I can't even take Linda with me because of all these government rules and their rules and all this kind of stuff. Guys, we got, we got to pray for this. We have, we have lost our mind as a country. We have let fear consume us, and then now we are susceptible to control. And I think that's where we are. So, so let's pray about that. But before we do that, I think we need to pray first. And I think every one of us have to pray this. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Okay, that's not not what I'm discussing or debating. But I think every one of us, Christians, non-Christians, if you're not a Christian, you need to do this. And this is how you become a Christian too, by the way. But this is where we have to surrender and submit to God. And say, God, you're in charge. God, you are the king. I give my soul. I give my life. I give everything. We're going to pray that first. And then we're going to pray for our country. So let's pray. God, we we come before you knowing that you are God. Lord, we were not there when you laid the foundation of the earth. We were not there. You did that. You are supernatural. You are God and we are not. God, we we ask you to forgive us. We ask you to wash us clean make us right with you, God. Cover us with the blood of Jesus and make us right with you. And God, we submit to you. Lord, I pray for everyone that is praying this prayer right now, that that they would truly see the, the importance, the priority of putting you in charge of everything. And God, we pray that you help us to do this. We pray that you get our minds right, our spirits right, to recognize that we cannot put our hope and our trust in anything else we have to put our trust in you. So God, we submit to you. Save us. Save us from ourselves. Save us from our government. Save us from disease. Save us from limitedness of humanity. Save us from this earth. Save us from the people of this earth. In the name of Jesus. God, we pray. We pray right now for our country. We pray for the whole world. Lord, we know that this is affecting people all over. God, our our pastors in India are are dealing with this right now. Lord, we know this is all over, but God, we still know that there are more of you than there are of them. That there is more on our side from your spiritual kingdom than anything Satan's trying to do to attack. So God, we pray. I pray against the fear that has consumed our country. The the uncertainty that's consumed our country. The the blind submission to our government that seems to be happening. God, we don't, we don't serve our government. We serve you. God, help us to see that. Push back the fear. Bring your spirit. Bring revelation of you into people's hearts and minds. Help them see you. Through all the stuff, help them to see you. God, I, phys- I pray physically for people. I pray against the the virus. I pray against the the effects of the virus. I pray that you rescue people, that you heal people, that you save them from this virus and let people all over the world see the supernatural, miraculous working hand of our God. We pray that you sovereignly just display you through all of this. And God, I pray for our country specifically that we would humble ourselves as a country, starting from the White House, going into the Congress, the Senate, the Supreme Court, state governments, everything, that we would humble ourselves, that we would humble ourselves before you, that we would pray and seek your face, and that we would turn from our wicked ways. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to remind you of a couple of things before we disconnect and you go back to whatever you were doing. We need your email. We need your email. Go to the website. Go to office at cabbage and send us your email. That's how we're going to try to communicate. We're going to send videos out this week. The children's department is sending out videos. The youth is sending out text and videos. So we need your email. If you would like to receive texts along the way with this, make sure we have your uh, cell phone number, but we need your email. And then uh, go to the website and check on things on a regular basis, and we will try to keep everybody updated, okay? So for the first time, I think I've said this to most of our people sitting at homes before noon tomorrow. God's going to give you a chance to maybe peek out your window and see another person. So, look for any opportunity you have to tell somebody about Jesus. When the mailman comes by, pray for him. When the GrubHub guy comes by, pray for him. When Royal Crest comes by, pray for him. You may have to do it through a mask, through the peephole of the door, but try to connect with somebody and let them know that Jesus loves them and that their hope can be found in Him. And that'll that'll God will honor that in your life. That's a guarantee. So. Thank you for joining us online. I will be doing Wednesday night online also. A little different than we normally do. I'll do a little abridged version of some things. But we will have worship and we will have teaching on Wednesday night. So so, uh, come back to Facebook or YouTube and we will see you then. Have a great rest of your afternoon and your week.